started the rehearsal. Oh, yeah? Do you like it? Yeah, I watched only the first episode so far. Me and my friend got really high on Tuesday and watched it together. Yeah, it's good. It's very funny. Yeah, it was, it was a very cool like premise. I kind of liked it, like in terms of the way it's done. It worked. The first episode is really good because like, like it's kind of like weirdly low stakes, you know? Like, yeah. like he's really stressed out about it because it's like, it matters a lot to him because like, you know, he's been lying to his friends for a decade. But like, as a viewer, you're kind of like, dude, who cares? No one's going to care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, that, that's why it like works, especially as like an introductory to like, be like, okay, here's kind of the premise of the show and stuff. Yeah, no, I think I think it did a good job of doing that. And it was pretty, it definitely had a lot of the typical like Nathan Fielder quirks in it. Oh, <laughs> I do kind of, I actually don't know if I ever finished Nathan for you all the way. I think I might have not gone through the last season. Yeah, I know. I don't think I've watched every episode of it either. I've been re-watching it a lot since um, uh, the rehearsals come out, though. Um, Very funny show. I yeah. There's a few episodes that are kind of hard to get through sometimes. Just I can't watch more than like one or two episodes at a time because it is like a little too like cringe sometimes. But there's, there's some good. It's, it's pretty fun, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's good. It, there was like a real golden hour of when it was like Nathan for you was on right before Drunk History. Um, and I remember I was like, oh, man, two back to back good Comedy Central shows. It, it was a good like four years for Comedy Central around that time because they also had like Broad City was around. And then um, that, do you ever watch Review? That show? Oh, yeah. Review is fucking great. That show is so funny. I yeah. love that show. Um, But yeah, no, so the, the Comedy Central had like a really good like mid 20 teens. Yeah, it was like 2014, 2015, I feel like was when all those shows were out. Yeah. And then now they don't have any original program anymore, pretty much to my knowledge. They have like so many shows they just sit on and like don't like you can't you can maybe get on streaming if you have Comedy Central's app. But, yeah. Like just just replay old episodes of like Detroiters all day long. You know, I would I would watch that. Oh, absolutely. Wasn't that also kind of around the same time too? Detroiters I think so. 2017 ish. But Television. I remember watching that after college. So 2017, was- yeah. 20, 2017. God, it was so good. Man, there's some good stuff around then. I don't know what the fuck. I, I guess like they just didn't really have because like even like the other two, they had to push that to uh, HBO Max because that was a Comedy Central at one point. The first season was yeah. Yeah. So was a uh, so was a uh, Southside. Yeah. It's weird how like all the shows on HBO Max that everyone loves used to be Comedy Central shows that they were like we don't want this anymore. Yeah, it was Comedy Central shows no one watched, and then they went on HBO streaming and everyone's like wow these shows fucking rule yeah so funny i i haven't seen all of it yet but i've watched a few episodes of it i enjoy it if you're gonna watch one tv show that's filmed in chicago and is about chicago make it Southside and not the bear a garbage piece of television for idiots i've heard a lot of good things about the bear so i'm still gonna watch it despite your uh complete unrecommendation for it i get why people like it and i think the the people who like it are people who like worked in a restaurant in high school and were like, ooh, this show reminds me of when I had a real job instead of sitting at a desk all day. And uh, I think it sucks. I think it's a really, it's like a, sh- it's a show for dumb people to feel smart. That, that's my take on the bear. I think it's, it doesn't do Chicago well, which is fine. That doesn't normally bother me. But like when it's also just a bad show, then I'm like, well, this is like also doing my city poorly. Oh, I'll, I'll watch it at some point and then you'll well, you'll like it more than i do once i've decided i hate something i'm really cruel about it you know you're yeah. you tend to have a little bit more nuance than i do on like it's like not like offensively bad it's just not very good and people are like tripping over themselves to be like oh he drinks out of a plastic jug and you're like Damn. oh yeah i saw that tweet yeah. uh yeah no it i i'm the same way for a lot of things too where if like it became if, if it becomes like such a huge deal and everyone talks about it but i did not like it my hatred of it completely increases like oh, as yeah. it keeps going on like yeah. recent i mean like recent examples i didn't like once upon a time in hollywood that much and when everyone started going like it's the best tarantino movie i'm like are you actually fucking kidding me and then as that happened my hatred of it just was like i like to i, I used to be like oh yeah like half movie's pretty good and now i'm like there's two scenes that are good the rest was complete fucking garbage and if you say otherwise you're a dipshit who just falls for bullshit or whatever i, I hate it when like this this happened with nope too where i was seeing tweets where it was like this is jordan peele's best movie and i'm like are you a fucking like goldfish like do you not remember 
like it's it's so stupid. This happens every time like a really good director comes out with another movie is there's this like discourse of just like it's their best one yet. And it's like, no, it's fine if it's not, you know, like it's OK. Yeah, that ke- that happens to a lot of TV shows, too. Like, I feel like the discourse around uh, like certain like very big prestige shows is always like, you know, this show is like even better than it's ever been or whatever. But it's usually people say that like towards when the show's not good anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone was like Breaking Bad season five is like so good. I mean, they were saying that for like every season Breaking Bad. But I was like, no, that show, that show kind of like fell off a little bit in the last season. Yeah, um, no one no one was saying that about the um, the last like two seasons of Dexter, though, right? When it like. No, really- yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other other prestige shows that really got shitty in like the last couple seasons and trying to think of if anyone was like, oh, the best season ever is when Dexter goes and lives in that cabin or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know for a while Game of Thrones had a few defenders. Like season five and six had some pretty big defenders still, even I, though those seasons were a clear decline from like the first four. It was it was season seven. It was seven seasons total, right? It was eight. Eight seasons. Okay, I am a season seven defender. I think because that's it's bad, but like in a really entertaining way. I feel like it's basically like a popcorn flick at that point. Yeah, I feel like I feel like in the first season, the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, it was like the water cooler show, and then. In four and five it kind of fell off and people were talking about other stuff and then like six seven is like it comes back to me like what the fuck are they doing does this show suck now but like <laughs> that was fun in the moment to like come, come into work on a monday and be like i think the show might be bad and just like i mean you and i specifically talked yeah. about it we did we talked about like i remember like every monday i'd be like i talked to like 10 people and they all think it's like a really good episode and then i come to you and I, you're the first person who actually hates it too <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be like, I had a blast. I had a like a great time from minute one to minute sixty two, and it also is a garbage piece of television that I feel like I'm wasting my life watching. Yeah, it's basically like watching like The Room or whatever. Yeah, you... yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last season is just bad. It stops being fun, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible at that point for sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's another show out there that's like that. I feel like Mad Men maybe had some people who were like the last season's the best <laughs> season of Mad Men, even though that show like even though I. I literally skipped the first half of the last season because I was like, this is, I hate the show now. I mean, Don Draper sort of killed himself. Like, <laughs> whole, I mean, like the whole show is about how this guy's going to commit suicide at the end. Like the opening credits is like, and then like, they were like, no, he goes to a spa. And it's like, come on, you got to give us what we wanted here. You That that type of fan service should happen when it's like a darker ending, but having it like, nope, he's he's happy at like a retreat. And you're like, well, that's, that's not how this is supposed to end. Yeah, I don't like shows where it's very clear they're wrapping stuff up because like he would be on like phone calls, he, like the episode talking to all the main characters and be like, oh, I love working with you or whatever or something. And like all the main characters would be talking to each other and being like, wow, I love our work relationship that we have or something kind of stuff. And it was just like very clear wrap up. Like yeah, yeah, it's like last season of Scrubs vibes before they before they switched networks and then they had a real last season of Scrubs. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where it, it works better in comedies because in comedies you can kind of get away with being a little bit cheesy, but in like yeah. a drama to have all the characters just like constantly make it very clear it's the last episode or something just kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's I I I get the impulse to want to give everyone like a farewell, but that kind of makes bad television to just be like, well, Jim another day done it's crazy when we look back on the seven years we've known each other and it's like just do a fucking clip show at that point you know every series finale of a tv show should just be a clip show yeah i agree god that'd be could you imagine (laughs) the i i mean i don't know i don't hate a clip show it would be funny to bring that format back like it's a thing like tv shows don't do anymore uh especially like uh like community did like the fake clip show but i I feel like other shows have done a fake clip show at this point now too yeah um why can't oh, i feel like the clerks animated show did a fake clip show yeah clerks was the first one because to do it. yeah I remember whenever i would like whenever like the community one came out everyone's like oh yeah it's cool they did it but like clerks did it first or whatever that was yeah. like the thing um and i'm sure like rick and morty or something's done it yeah oh i i've just there's a vulture article that said the best clip show parodies and i guess it's always sunny did one i can buy that yeah 
Yeah. Um, I don't remember the Always Sunny one. Dinosaurs did one. So. Oh, Dinosaurs? Okay, wait. Speaking of finales, Dinosaurs has the actual best series finale of all Oh, time. yes. It's so good. It fucking, like, it's it blows my mind that the, like, so if people don't know, Dinosaurs was like a sitcom where people in, like, I'm going to say, like, mascot costumes, kind of, right? Like, they were. Like, yeah, it's not, not high-end CG or anything. No, they were people in dinosaur costumes. But it was like a standard family sitcom, except they were dinosaurs. And the show ends with the meteor hitting Earth and killing off the dinosaurs. It's great. It's it's crazy. It's so fucking good. <laughs> like, I just, I love that so much. Like, it's such yeah, a funny yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, it rules. Um, wait, I'm trying to think. Okay, South Park also did one. Yeah. Um, Clerks, like you said. Frasier did one? A fake clip show on Frasier? It's it's deconstructions of old clips. I don't know. That's that's some Frasier ass shit. Scrub <laughs> did one. Okay, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and then Community, of course. Oh, Rick Rick and Morty did sure. well. Total Morty Mind Blowers and Total Rickall aren't really like that's not really like it's it's a clip show in so far as it's an episode made up of clips, but that's not really what it means to do a clip show. They're not like, hey, remember that time when you know? Yeah, it, that's true. It doesn't really have clip show vibes in the same way uh, which is funny because that was like an adult swim show that was only like 10 minutes long yeah that's one of the shows that like no one ever like thinks about because why yeah. would you... i don't know i liked it i, it's, I, I mean, it's fine but it's not yeah. a show that i'm ever gonna be like oh man i remember that show fondly yeah i i mean i mostly rewatched it because it's with 11 minute episodes you can rewatch it very quickly but i watched it after norm mcdonald died oh uh, right he voices the pigeon and i'm like yeah the show's pretty good and it's shorter to rewatch that entire show than to watch like any single norm joke he's ever done on late night which takes 45 minutes to tell i think i just got a bunch of recommended clips on youtube for fairly odd parents when he died because he was in that show for like a few oh yeah he's like the he's like the genie right that show had genies and fairies in it i think they were rivals okay were his powers different he granted only a certain number of wishes but his wish could be anything maybe i think whereas the fairly odd parents had rules they had to follow yeah were there other mystical creatures in the fairly odd parents i'm sure there were i'm trying to remember if there were any very odd ones. I, I just don't remember the lore of the show. I don't think the Butch Hartman did after a certain amount of time either. <laughs> uh, one of the best titled names of television ever is Fairly, Fairly Odd Parents. Really, really good wordplay. Yeah, it's very fun. It's a, it's definitely, it's one of those things where I definitely knew the show before I knew the term like either Fairy Godparent or maybe even, and I probably knew Godparent, but I think I watched the show. How good, Fairy Godparent's like the first thing you're introduced to. It's like in all children's books yeah i don't know it's like mostly it's like a cinderella thing mostly isn't it i feel like it's in other things i guess all the other things are making fun of cinderella though probably yeah i wasn't really a cinderella kid i was more of a cinderella teen <laughs> what <laughs> uh, i'm watching cinderella when i was like a teenager instead of a kid but i don't know oh okay that I, really makes, I had no idea what you're talking about Where's Rachel, huh? Rachel! Welcome to the show. This is We're Not Here to Watch Friends, the show about the friends from the TV show Friends, but not the show Friends. By two friends, Brandon and Daniel. I'm Brandon. I'm Daniel. I have not introduced the show in a very long time, but I think I did okay. Yeah, that felt weird. <laughs> Do you want to do it now? <laughs> no, I'm just going to cut it into old one I did from the past. And just put it in here. <laughs> uh, this week we watched uh, Friends. Uh, speaking of Friends, we watched... Oh, I know. How did I not make that... <laughs> We watched Friends with Money, the 2006 uh, Jennifer Aniston movie about having friends who have more money than you have. Uh, and I read like a conspiracy theory because one of the posters, speaking of the Friends friends connection, one of the posters of the movie like has the word friends in like bigger font than the words with money and friends is like uh, higher up than the next two words. So there's like a, consp- I found like a conspiracy theory on Reddit because I was just like looking on Reddit just to see if like anyone talked about this movie at all anywhere. And like someone was like, I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose because I was right 
after Friends came out, and they want everyone to think it was like a Friends movie. I was like, that's very, like that, but it'd be very funny if that was true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also don't believe that, but I I like it. Yeah, I'm cool with that. That's that's kind of conspiracy theories I want to read on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so i mean it's basically just like a, a story about like four women and uh their well a few of their marriages and then jennifer aniston's weird deal with scott con pretty much yeah he's a real that guy by the way scott con i feel like i mean he's like i think because of entourage i will always recognize him in anything i see him in pretty yeah much. yeah that's what i'm saying is like i i immediately recognized who he was and then i but also i was like what what has he been in why is he so recognizable and then i was looking at his imdb page and i'm like oh yeah he's like the 11 like he's like the forgotten dude in oceans 11 right and he's also the forgotten dude in oceans 12 and he's also the forgotten dude in oceans 13 yeah uh but he's also in entourage as an asshole yeah 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 like he's just sort of like in stuff but never Actually, I don't think he is himself, but his name is Scott. So it's like kind of feels like it's him, but it's not. Yeah, it's he has a different less last name and uh, entourage. It's Laven. Yeah, so I don't think he's, he isn't playing himself. Yeah, it's like it's like that thing when like comedians make a, a TV show about themselves, but then they have a different last name for somewhere where it's like, I mean, Jim Gaffigan on the Jim Gaffigan show, his last name is Gaffigan. But I do feel like that's a thing where it's like the whatever show and then the character's name is something else. Yeah, there's billions of examples, but I cannot think of a single one right now. I can think of one... I mean, the the one I can think of is the Cosby show where his name's Cliff Huxtable, but I could, I, I really wish I could think of a different example. But that one's kind of not the same thing because Cliff is not Bill. No, no, that's not a nickname for William. So actually, there's, yeah. like, there's like, um, yeah, what is Cliff short? Is it just Clifford? Uh, Clifford or Clifton? I feel like he's more of a Clifton. Yeah. Is it Clifton? For the Cliff. Huxtables, you mean? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Oh, no, it's Heathcliff. Oh my God. That also makes sense <laughs> he's he's the funny cat who isn't garfield <laughs> the other cat yeah you know heathcliff right heathcliff no that's what i'm saying the other cat yeah 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 okay i when i said he was the funny cat i was like oh do you are you not aware of this other newspaper cartoon no no i know newspaper cartoons yeah i know those two i know um was it ann <laughs> who's one that goes ack all the time who's that kathy that's oh, kathy not ann <laughs> 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 I think it's because she says axe. I was just thinking of like an A word with like three layers in it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, Kathy was really great in uh, Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton movie, where she's always going, ack, ack, ack. I've never seen the movies. I don't understand that. Right oh, but the, the Martians in Mars Attack, they make noises and it's just like, ack, ack, ack. Oh, that's funny. They're, just being, they're being real Kathy's. Should I watch that movie? Yeah, it's good, man. It's okay. it, Tim Burton's, one of Tim Burton's better live action movies, I would say. What is his best movie, do you think? I mean, is it Nightmare Before Christmas? Okay, like, what's his best live action movie? Batman? Mm, I don't really like Tim Burton that much. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't really made that many things that I'm like really a fan of, per se. Yeah. I've never seen some of the works that everyone likes of his, though. Like, I haven't seen Big Fish. I think that one's supposedly pretty. Oh, people like that. Yeah, I haven't watched it. Um, I've also never seen his Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I basically, once he does, so the problem with um, Mars Attacks, which is a good movie, is it's the movie he discovers CGI in, and then all his movies end up being like, oh, we put Johnny Depp in front of a green screen, and we did wacky things. Wait, did he do yeah. Sweeney Todd? That might he be. did. That's that's a pretty good movie. I haven't seen that one either, I don't think. As far as renowned directors go, taking a crack at doing a remake of a musical, it's no Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. But Or um, Tom Hooper's uh, Cats. Or, uh, actually, I don't know if this is going to be a musical, but uh, Del Toro is making a um, Pinocchio movie. That'd be cool if it was a musical. I feel like that'd be kind of an interesting choice. For I him. mean, Pinocchio is a you know, it's like, I got no strings to hold me down. To da, da, da. Like, there's songs in it. That song's forever ruined from because of that Avengers Age of Ultron trailer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, where he's like trying to sing it scary. That's very yeah. It's like James Spader singing that song, trying to be like a robot or whatever. And it's like, come on. That is that is one of the parts of Nope that made me like like laugh very hard. Is the like one eyed, one horn, flying purple people eater part where the guy's like slowly singing the song, and I'm like, is this supposed to? This is supposed to be funny, right? Like, because it is. It's very silly. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the humor in Jordan Peele movies is like the humor where you're supposed to be like, am I supposed to? have laughed at that you yeah know. yeah it's it's like you gotta like a lot of it's subtle and so because it's not like quippy and like in your face about it sometimes you're like wow that was like a really stupid scene like that dialogue sucked and then you're like no it's supposed to be funny it's very good actually mm. yeah i'm not saying you you or me i'm talking about the average idiot viewer who doesn't understand cinema like you and i do yeah we both understand it very well yeah much. uh it is weird that there's two pinocchio movies coming out like in the same year because Robert Zemeckis is doing one also with Tom Hanks. What is Tom? Who's Tom Hanks playing? Pinocchio. <laughs> Wait, he's, really? he's Geppetto. Oh, he's no. I thought he was gonna play uh, the Colonel again from the Elvis movie. Oh, he's just in the Pinocchio movie, just like oh Pinocchio. That's that was not a very good accent. Uh, that was terrible. Not anything like him. They should get like the conductor from Polar Express back, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's they should make a Tom Hanks Avengers where uh the Colonel from Elvis, the conductor from the Polar Express, uh Forrest no. Gump, Captain Claus from Polar Express, the homeless man from Polar Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the people from Polar Express. Um, because they're all voiced by Tom Hanks. Right, right, right. I know this. Um and then then uh Wilson the the ball from uh Castaway. <laughs> also voiced by Tom Hanks. I mean technically Yeah, technically yeah. he did. Yeah. Um and yeah, they created like an uh, Avengers movie where they team up to fight. Oh, they team up to fight. When when did Tom Hanks play like a villain? Uh, Road of Perdition. <laughs> I was gonna say the coach from a league of their own. <laughs> Is he the villain? He's not really a villain in that. He's just a dick. I think Red of Perdition is like one of his big villain roles. Yeah, he kind of he, he kind of stopped doing stuff like that. He never started. Well, I feel like he was. Elvis is like sort of a weird turn for him because he is playing like a bad guy in that. And I feel like in the beginning of his career, he would be more. You know, he would play like more complicated guys. And then there was a real "I'm America's dad" and I'm just playing a very nice, good guy phase that he went through. And now he's coming back he also just did like only biopics for like a very long time he played walt disney and sully and the captain phillips guy like that's a crazy run of just playing guys who really existed mr rogers oh mr rogers yeah of course charlie wilson uh that movie is kind of good right i remember really liking it but it also came out when i was like 13 i have (laughs) not seen it since it came out so i have no idea if it holds up at all yeah i i'm guessing it didn't but i just because i like was vaguely aware of like the story of what actually happened watching it as a very young teen i was like "Ooh, i'm so smart i understand history and like geopolitical situation <laughs> and stuff and now i would probably watch it and just be like mm, this movie's not very good yeah most likely yeah but you never know i feel like it's one of those movies philip seymour hoffman's in the movie so i bet one of those movies where it's like movie kind of sucks but philip seymour hoffman gives like a performance of a lifetime or something oh like yeah that. he's so good uh this episode will come out well after this is relevant but happy birthday to the big man his birthday was like a couple days ago. Oh yeah, happy belated. Yeah, so happy birthday a couple days and also like two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> when this actually comes out. Um, um, I but... guess we should talk about the movie now. Yeah, uh, speaking of uh, movies that came out in 2007, this didn't come out in 2007, did it? What year did this movie come out? 2006. Oh, so close. Yeah. Uh, close well, so yeah, I mean basically, so yeah, we got completely sidetracked while I was like vaguely explaining the plot. But like, yeah, it's about like women who have husbands or or don't have a husband and have to deal with that pretty much. The like, only types of women, women with husbands <laughs> and women who don't have husbands. I mean, because like three of the plots are like... No, like, I know. I'm just... <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. And I, I'm just saying like, I'm not like totally inaccurate in that. Like three of the plots of this movie are uh, women has women has a husband. They don't get along all the time, but will they stay together? Who's to say? And then the fourth yeah. plot is Jennifer Aniston sleeps with Scott Conn a lot and he takes her money while they do maid stuff together. Yeah. What was your favorite of the four plots because basically the four plots we got are jennifer aniston who 
who's a maid who cleans houses and then hangs out with Scott Conn occasionally. Um, we have uh, Joan Cusack, who I believe pretty much has like the least amount of plot. Like she and her husband kind of don't really. Well, they're like the richest, right? Yeah, like they have like a massive like trust fund. Yeah, and so I think I think that's sort of the thing is like they're like oh you know being poor sucks being middle class has its own problems and then the rich couple really doesn't have that much that like doesn't really seem to have that many problems you know yeah i think besides the fact that like her husband spends a lot of money on stuff like they'll like have like these subtle scenes where it's like he's like oh we should buy this for the kids or whatever kind of thing yeah but well yeah there's there's that one scene though where jennifer aniston's like asking joan kuzak it's like well what would you do if like you had to work and she's like well i think being a mother is work and then jennifer aniston's like you have full-time help (laughs) (laughs) i I thought that was like very funny to just sort of be like you don't have any real problems what are you talking about um yeah pretty much it was it was accurate um and then uh katherine keener plays like a tv writer she and jason isaacs have a lot of tension throughout the movie uh and they write scenes together in their scripts that they're writing together and seemingly like i guess writing different characters in the scripts the whole time yeah this is 2006 so this is before like google docs so i don't understand how they're both writing the script like they face each other on laptops and they're both typing and it's like that's that's not how you write a script yeah like is the idea that they're both typing each other's they're both typing the entire deal what someone else, other person says the whole time i don't know or i think it, i think it was just visually they needed them to both look like they were working so they were like what if we had two di-? like it, that feels like a very like like visual director decision not like someone being like hey this is how you write a script yeah that's true they didn't really make it clear who was writing what and when so yeah it makes sense um and then uh francis mcdermott who is a vaguely in like kind of like very intense person who just constantly has issues with people the help around her yeah i feel like in the beginning you're kind of on her side and like like that the like indignities like put at her and then as time goes on you're like well this woman's just rude to people who get paid an hourly wage or maybe it's just i have such a francis mcdermott bias that she was being a jerk from Jump Street, but I was just like, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, lady. I I love Frances McDermott um, in like movies, but I feel like I never root for her character in any movie she's ever in. <laughs> That's true. That's actually fair. Yeah, she's normally not that good. I mean, like Fargo, I think is like the one example of like, okay, yeah, like she's pretty much like supposed to be the hero of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything else she's in, she's like you know got some got some little issues here and there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and like so pretty much like these four plots just kind of like happened throughout the movie like this kind of vaguely felt like a uh like this would have been a uh miniseries seven years later on hbo in like the summertime that no one watched kind of thing yeah yeah i kind of liked the listlessness of it you know like it's just sort of like here's some stuff happening in people's lives and barely anything really like it's a movie that a lot of these like kind of you know 90 minute mid mid 2000s uh indie-ish movies that we watch for this podcast where it's like nothing really happens and then the last 30 minutes everything gets sort of tied up and you're like oh i guess stuff was happening this whole time you know wow who'd have thought yeah Uh, no yeah i know what you mean it does kind of feel like that a little bit um like although some of the tie-ups are a little bit odd um like like one of the plots is like jennifer aniston is like um like you know made for this one guy who's unemployed and then she like you know just sort of like at one point after the whole after scott con basically is out of the picture because she catches him cheating on her vaguely Mm -hmm. um she starts dating him and like it's like a nice like oh yeah you know she was dating the guy the whole time he was right there he's not like your typical like you know but then like it's like oh yeah but you know fine like that's who she likes or whatever and then it's like oh and then he's like oh actually i'm really rich or whatever and she's like hey now i have money too probably yeah it's sort of a weird way to uh end the movie yeah a little bit um it kind of muddies the water on what the message is of just like like because it's sort of trying to say like oh look money isn't going to solve your problems and then it's like well okay it will solve jennifer anderson's problems (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like one of the i always hate those movies where it's like the whole movie they are just like trying to drive home a message about something and at the end they're just like no no but this person's not affected by this message you're driving home everyone in this movie ends up happy and we don't think happy actually means what we're saying the happy means or whatever yeah exactly yeah and also i don't know if you recognize the guy who played her the guy she's in at the end but um it's uh bob stevenson who was in the tv show jericho as one of the sheriffs yes i did recognize 
surprised that. Yeah, I always, um, I, I feel like I, he's always in a bunch of things. He's in a few commercials here and there, and like a few random TV shows. But I never see him. I was like, hey, that's a guy from Jericho. Um, because Jericho is a show that I was very much a fan of. Yes, um, big, big fan of that. That's one of my. It's probably probably my favorite CBS drama, I guess, which is not much competition for, to be honest. But yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I remember that Jericho is one of those shows where I feel like, like I remember Joe, uh, our mutual friend Joe, and I. We would be like, oh, this is a pretty good show. And then when I met you, I was like, I think you're the only other person I've ever met who watched this show. I mean, yeah, because it got canceled twice. <laughs> so. <laughs> That is that is the story of our lives. It's like, hey, did you watch this show that is impossible to find anywhere now um, <laughs> and was across four networks like in the eight years that two seasons came out? And it's like, no, I fucking didn't watch that show. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this movie actually has pretty good casting, I would say. Like I was looking up the casting director when I saw who was in the cast of this movie. I was like, hey, you know, this is pretty solid stuff here. Yeah, um, no, I thought it was very good. Um, the, the one issue I have is it's not even with, um, it's not a casting issue. It's a name issue, which is you can't have someone named Franny and then someone else named Jane. And then they're played by Francis McDormand, but she plays Jane and Joan plays Franny. Like I, there are so many scenes where people were talking about the other two characters and I was like, they're doing this to confuse me. Like you can't have the person whose name sounds like Jane be not Joan and then the person whose nickname is Franny not be Francis yeah that's that's very annoying of them to do that yeah there were like two scenes where I was like I just had like IMDB open on my phone to be like wait I need to make sure I know who they're actually talking about and it's not a very <laughs> confusing movie I'm just stupid you know <laughs> I do love the idea of having to follow the plot of this movie like very thoroughly <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a real like background noise movie, but still, I was trying to like actively watch it, and I I think when I put it, like an effort into being like, okay, I have to pay attention to this movie, it's harder than if I just am like, all right, shut my brain off, watch it. You know? Yes, that's true in a way. Yeah, it's like it's like like riding a bike in a weird way, where if you start thinking about how you're doing it, where if you're like mentally thinking like like foot goes down, foot comes up, foot, then it's all of a sudden you're gonna like crash because it's like, oh, if I think about it, I can't do it, and watching movies the same way where if you like are really thinking about how you watch a movie you're gonna be like ah shit i just missed like two scenes now yeah i mean that's kind of true i feel like that always happens whenever like i, I always like rewind a movie and then i like i'm like i i don't even understand that now still yeah the whole time uh but yeah it i mean it was a uh, pretty you know pretty good cast i like i mean like a lot of, i mean i don't i don't think i knew everyone in the movie but like i knew most people in the movie like jason isaac plays uh Catherine keener's husband he's always good and stuff uh yeah. ty burrell plays a like vaguely kind of like not like a love interest of um uh francis mcdermott's husband but like the new friend and like they think and both of their spouses seem to think like the other person's gay or whatever and there's like a whole plot about that yeah uh, simon yeah simon mcburney um and yeah i did i did kind of like the like they're both named aaron thing i thought that was kind of funny yeah, yeah i agree i also it's just it's fun to see um uh ty burrell show up and stuff especially stuff that is like pre-modern family and you're like oh hey you're not super famous yet yeah like i think he was in like dawn of the dead before this but like yeah not really anything too big he was uh back to you uh, the first show i was familiar with him on had not come out yet i don't know if you ever watched back to you before no was it like a news show yeah so it was like a um looking back on it now i'm like i would never watch this show if it aired in 2022 but kelsey Grammer and patricia patricia heaton play uh co-anchors on the show where like with where they're like um just like news anchors who constantly hate each other off screen but they're really good and like have the magic on screen or whatever that's like the plot of so many shows yeah i mean it it clearly only lasted one year obviously yeah good cast though like like fred in it ada field from uh studio 60s in it (laughs) (laughs) um josh gad uh but yeah so like ty burrell was in that i remember him being kind of funny in it yeah but i only watched i only watched the first like three episodes and then gave up i'm pretty sure yeah it was not a good show um even though the modern family guys are behind it um but before they hate each other uh, <laughs> Wait, they hate each other what's oh you never heard that story like no, the modern no, no. family creators apparently had to like they weren't a lot they weren't able to like basically coexist on modern family at a certain point so they had to each like separately write episodes of the show oh my like, god 
write them together because they hate each other so much. That's crazy. Yeah, it's very that's funny. Gonna, that's going to happen with this podcast one day is we'll each separately record our half of the conversation. Oh, that'd be great. It'd be like a um, my always go to example for that is The Good Wife because um, Julianne Margulies and Archie Punjabi were like the two main characters on the show, but they had like massive feud offset. And like at a certain point, Archie Punjabi just leaves the show and they have like a farewell scene where they're both like in a bar together and everyone's like, oh, they got together for this one last bar scene. And then everyone started watching the scene and we're like, wait a second. They cannot be in the same room now. They're not touching anything at the same time. And there's it's, all this it's a lot of like, like over shoulder shots and like. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, I mean, they clearly green screen like half them. Like they like clearly had like a green screen thing going on. And I was like, nope. Um, and then in NCIS, Mark Harmon in one scene, like after his dog like bites Polly Perrette in real life or something. And like he's like a maniac on set. Like she doesn't want to be on scene, scenes with him anymore. So they have like a goodbye scene where she's outside his house, but he doesn't see her at the same time she sees him or whatever. Yeah. 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 They just obviously they hate each other. It's, um, funny. it's always interesting to watch that happen on TV shows. Yeah. Um, but, is Abby no longer on NCIS? Yeah, she left the show like four years ago or something, I think. Wow, that's crazy. I'm pretty sure like, no one from the main cast in the original show is on anymore because Mark Harmon also left, I'm pretty sure. Oh my God, wow. That show has been on way too long. <laughs> Not for like 19 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, though, uh, I think, I think you know, the I think that like the two men who everyone thinks are gay but aren't, I, th- I think that that's kind of my favorite plot. It's, it's interesting to me in like 2006 to do like a show about like two men trying to like adult men trying to become friends is such like it's always to like it's weirdly difficult when you're a grown up to like meet new people and it's always super awkward and I like I like how they did it it kind of it reminded me of like I love you man but like not as good as that movie but like I don't know it was still funny and it's like like goofy and stuff i like that yeah no i thought it was very nice um and like they both they were both like fun actors so it was like a good like you know few scenes they had together although it's really funny because when they were coming to that movie um like they have like that scene where they're both like in the movie theater watching a movie together amc popcorn obviously so i don't know if amc sponsored or something but yeah. they were like coming out of the movie and they were talking about they're like i'm not sure i understood what was going on in the movie and like they were like oh, i don't know like maybe it was like it was supposed to be like this was in your head or something but i don't know there was like they were kind of making it seem like it was one of those like it was kind of like a you know like sort of confusing like like artsy mid 2000s movie or whatever and then the two movies that i can they're visible on the marquee behind them are racing stripes and meet the fockers <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny yeah so it's like clearly it's just a movie they like doesn't really exist probably they were talking about and they just yeah, had the yeah. when they filmed it but it's just really funny to me to imagine them watching like meet the fockers and having that reaction yeah uh or actually really funny to imagine watching meet the fockers in a movie theater <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was i did i did like a lot of like this movie very like clearly has like that whole like we filmed actually in like on set like i mean which is interesting because like this is an la film and usually that kind of shit's reserved for like a new york film new york films love to film like on streets right this film's like la but they have a lot of scenes that are like filmed like either like i mean la neighborhood sure but like on the streets of la or whatever like i think um there's only like one scene that's not actually filmed in la i think like uh francis mcdermott has like some like clause where she can't be away from her family for too long so she like the scene where she flips out at the uh clothing store is like filmed somewhere else like new york maybe or something mm-hmm. she's the only character in the scene who's like not there yeah the, because she's the only character in the scene who's like in the other scenes pretty much yeah um, but apparently the uh, scene where they go to the farmer's market, which actually has one of my favorite lines, which is when Francis McDermott gets cut off by the guy in the parking spot or whatever, or like in the uh, on the road. And like she like starts talking to him and gets mad at him. Um, and like she's like, she's like, she's like, we're buying fruit. Like <laughs> are you freaking out so much about like getting in front of me or whatever. Yeah, that's funny. But they apparently filmed that scene like gorilla style. They wouldn't like have they like the people around them are all real people, apparently. Yeah, they it was they they had gotten permits, but they um, didn't hire any extras so it was like people who are actually at the farmer's market yeah very authentic yeah yeah so not true gorilla style but pretty close no not like florida project disney world gorilla style but like uh you know gorilla style in the way that a, a movie that's like you know not uh gorilla style in the way that a movie that has a scene at a farmer's market can be <laughs> gorilla <style. laughs> yeah that's true 
um but yeah and it was but yeah you know it's it was not it was they had some like apparently like one of the other things is like they had to blur out like paparazzi all around uh because like they're following jennifer aniston because this is like oh, right sure. after the whole rat pit thing so there's like scenes where there's like blurred people and there's like that's all paparazzi i guess apparently mm, that kind of, um but yeah also uh one other thing that like i kind of couldn't get over was like i like in this movie joan cusack reminded me so much of phoebe waller bridge yeah i i couldn't put that together but when you say it totally yeah you're right like i like kept just being like i feel like she's somebody else but i know that's joan cusack and then it just clicked i was like oh that she just reminds me a lot of phoebe waller bridge in this movie yeah i mean you know she's doing her her joan cusack voice a lot but you know she has like yeah phoebe energy it's more subtle than like she is in like a shameless or whatever where she's more off the wall yeah yeah for sure because yeah i mean like joan cusack is basically the most subtle character in this movie in terms of the four main leads i'd say yeah which is very outside of what normally yeah normally that's not really her bag no, but Francis McDermott gets to be the one who, like, has all the scenes in this movie, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. But, like, her, like, big moments are always, like, sort of undercut by her being in the wrong. Well, yes, that's true. Yeah. I still, I wish they, like, I, I kept rewinding that scene when she was in the clothing store to see if she actually was in the wrong. Because they don't really make it clear if she is. At least I couldn't tell if they did. I mean, I think, I think even if they did cut her in, like, cut her in line, you're in the wrong by letting, like, just, you can wait one more person and then you you're next you know like well yeah I, it's why everyone else sides with the people who cut her because it's like come on just whatever yeah but and the way the scene shot it kind of looks like they were standing off to the side and so maybe she didn't realize they were in line you know and then they step they cross her like they step in front of her but they were already standing there so it's like I, they might have been in front of you like that's that's a real like that's a real umpire call you know we gotta go we gotta see the camera from behind the plate to really make that decision i want like a um you know how You've seen the second uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, right? Yes. You know how like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's like playing Mysterio, like he's some guy who tries to be on Tom Holland. He tries to be on Spider-Man's side, but then turns against him or whatever. Yeah. Um, like there's a bunch of like people online who are like, if you like look closely, Jake Gyllenhaal's in this scene before watching Tom Holland in like the trip or whatever. I want like that energy for that scene specifically, just to see where Francis McDermott was in line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need like a I need like a ten minute like analysis to like show every single scene in that uh, department store and yeah. see where they were compared to her. Yeah, if this movie was more successful, there would be like a TikTok movie trivia account being like, did you know that in Friends with Money, made in twenty in 2006, actually the couple that Joan Cusack accuses of cutting her in line were in line in front of her. You can see it at this camera angle here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would definitely would happen if this movie was a little more successful than what it was, which wasn't really super successful, I guess, was it? Like, I mean, it made some money like it made three times its budget which i guess is pretty good for a movie like this yeah it's it's opening weekend is atrocious though it made like six hundred thousand. well but also like it probably only opened in like la and like New York. Um, yeah it probably it probably had like a limited screen opening but yeah. still it's always funny to see that when it's like opening weekend and it's not even a million bucks and you're like oof rough stuff there so speaking of box office i was gonna mention this at the, at the top but i completely forgot to but um very disturbing news uh came out within the past few days regarding box office which wow. is that the movie Kablooey did not make as much money as reported on Wikipedia. Oh no. And the most insane part is, so we, we recorded that episode, uh, like, you know, I forget what day it was we recorded it, but maybe it was like, uh, uh, I want to say like July 20th or something. We recorded that Kablooey episode. And so I went to, I went back to the Wikipedia page for Kablooey, uh, you know, like a day or two ago, just to, cause I was looking at the box office again. Cause I was like, I, I don't know. I still don't believe it got a million. Cause I was looking at this box office is also for friends with money and i was like this movie made 18 million i knew this movie pretty well kablooey did not make even more than a million i go back and this time the box office on kablooey on wikipedia says ninety six thousand six hundred sixty three dollars instead of a million i was like am i just like did i just misread that and like it didn't ever actually say a million on there because i was like maybe i got different sources said a million it wasn't wikipedia and then i go to the wikipedia edits because you can see the history of when it was edited and yeah. two days after we recorded our podcast episode someone edited the amount of the box office on Kablooey to uh, like reflect instead of a million uh, only $96,000. Oh my god. <laughs> like, That's crazy. I know. How did that like specifically happen? 
I don't it's know. It's so weird. Like, I don't understand how that, like, because like, it was before we really, not that anyone would have, like, listened to the episode and been like, let me look at the Wikipedia page for a couple of weeks and edit the box yeah. off it. But, like, still, it was before we released it, and it was also after we recorded it. So it was that weird in-between where... Yeah, that's crazy. ...edited on their own accord for... It's, it's crazy that more than you and I spent any time thinking about that movie within the last week, you know? Like, no. that's insane. It was so weird, because I just could not believe that. Like it was, they added someone else too, I think. But that was like the main thing. It's like, wow, what a weird coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. So uh, back to Friends of Money. Um. So it's it's directed by um. I always pronounce her name wrong. Nicole Hollifsinger, I think. Sure. That's right. Um. Have you seen any other movies she's done? Because she did um that enough. Hmm? I I don't I I don't know. I'm looking her up right now. So she made that movie Enough Said with uh James Gandolfini and Julie Reed Dreyfus that came out like that was the last movie I think James Gandolfini made. Yeah. And the movie's fine. It has like a similar vibe to this in a way where it's just like not a whole lot going on in the movie, just good performances pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then like her and then she did a Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I really liked the movie with Melissa McCarthy where she's like a plagiarist. Yeah. Um, or like she forges letters, I guess, not plagiarizing. That's different. Um, and that movie's really good. I think that was a really good movie. She got a lot of like screenplay attention for that, which I think is deserved because that was a good script. And then she also co-wrote uh, Last Duel with Matt yeah. Damon and Ben Affleck, which I have not seen yet. But me neither. She's, she's directed a lot of television too. I feel like that's very common for people who can't really like get completely in on like a movie. Like if you're not like a A-list or like director, but you're someone who like everyone just knows is like a good director, people yeah. will just ask you to direct episodes of TV shows. Yeah, because she did like an Orange is the New Black and three episodes of Parks and Rec and Unbreakable Me Schmidt. Ooh, an episode of Bored to Death. I love that show. That seems like upper alley. Yeah. I um, but yeah, and then she also, I think I, for, I she also was in Bojack Horseman as herself for a few episodes, which I think is where I really knew her name from. Like even even though that was after I saw her movies, but I didn't, I didn't really like put together the two yet. But yeah, I mean, it is, it definitely seems like that's a very common thing for people to direct episodes of TV in between movies they're making. Like, oh, like I didn't realize that the joke of her character is that she's a real person and that they were doing another like character actress, Margot Martindale by doing a, cause they always refer to her as indie filmmaker, Nicole Holf Center. Oh yeah. I, I don't think I realized when I watched that show that she was a real person. <laughs> I did. I, I've never seen this movie before and I only associated her with Can You Ever Forgive Me, I think, at that time, maybe. Yeah. If that. So I think I didn't really, like, put that. I mean, I, I knew that she was a real person, but I wasn't really, like, she's one of those directors whose names I just kind of know, but I don't. I couldn't, like, name movies off the top of my head that she's done. Yeah. But now I can confidently say I've seen Friends with Money that she's done. Which, this is one of those movies where I feel like I might have watched when it came out, to be honest. I weirdly remember the trailer. Um, like, that, it rang a bell to me, um, which makes sense. Uh, but also, yeah, I never saw it until now. I always confuse this movie. I can't remember the name of the movie I'm confusing it with. There's another movie that came out like in the mid 2000s. It was like a comedy action movie about women who steal money from like a bank or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what that one's called. Oh, Mad Money. That's what it is. It's a uh, that's a movie with Diane Keaton, Queen Latifah, and Katie Holmes, where they are they're like employees of the uh, Federal Reserve who steal money that's about to be destroyed. Right. Yeah. So I always confuse those movies. Like whenever. So when I was like, look, when I saw we were like when I was looking at this movie, I was like, is this one where they steal money? And I was like, nope. It is not <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um. But yeah. Oh, also. Um. So uh, some, another thing I wanted to mention was um. Scott Kahn is wearing a Deftone shirt in his first scene that he's in. <laughs> it's very funny because I, um, one of our, because um, a former uh, guest of the pod, Adrian, uh, gave me a lot of shit for going to a Deftones concert a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, and I remember the time being like, oh, Deftones are a cool band or whatever. And like, I was like, I don't know about their fan base. And I go there and their fan base like obviously sucks because it's just a bunch of people who like modern rock from like 2002 or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, this fan base sucks. And I got COVID like four days later. So I was like, <laughs> Deftones concert probably. <laughs> yeah, it turns out he was in the right for making fun of you. <laughs> Still a great show, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that feels about right for his character to wear that shirt. Um, also, um, the, the maid of um, uh, Joan Cusack's... Is it Joan Cusack's character who has the maid? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she was in uh, Go On as yeah. one of the uh, people in the uh, support group. She's been in other stuff, too, but I couldn't remember her name, so I wasn't able to look her up. But yes, she's in... Um, 
Um, She's in a couple things here and there. That's the one I most recognized her from, I think. Yeah. She is just sort of one of those people who shows up in things. Yeah, like, she's all over the place. Yeah. Um, But uh, she was in, like, funny people um, and, like, just random TV shows here and there. Um, I believe she was a large character on the show, or, like, a main, not main character, but, like, a recurring character on the show Dads. The one that uh, was Seth Green and Giovanni Ribisi that uh, is, like, Family Guy producers made. Oh, yeah. I never watched that. Really bad. (laughs) Just so, so bad. Yeah. One other thing I uh, noticed, like, on the IMDb trivia for this movie was, like, they, like, I didn't, I know, I don't know how long I've been doing this, but they say, like, they have a little thing where it's, like, help us solve top gap of this, like, movie or whatever, where it's, like, can you answer this question that people have been asking about this movie? And the question on the IMDb trivia was, what was this movie's title when it was released in India? (laughs) 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 This movie have that big of a fan base in India that, like, they had to, like, rename it there and, like, make a big release for it? That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was very odd. I'm, like, probably just one person asked that, but no one's looked at this movie's IMDb page in, like, 10 years. So, so yeah, so they're just like, oh, another curious person. Quick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Also, like, it does seem like every moody indie dramedy that we watch of Jennifer Aniston is in, like, there's a character who everyone thinks is gay in it. Yeah, yeah. That seems to like be a common thing with her in every, uh, like, dramatic comedy. Well, it's, it's just a reoccurring thing of this podcast is we, I you know, maybe it started off uh, in, like, the Studio 60 stuff where there was, like, a homophobic joke, and now we just kind of look for it all the time. Not that it was hard to find in this ep- in this movie at all, but it does seem like it's it's sort of just a reoccurring theme on this podcast is like, hey, how homophobic was this movie we watched? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this movie's this movie takes it with slightly more nuance than like Studio 60 ever did any of their gay jokes. Yeah, yeah. I thought when they're having a conversation about like, would you be okay with your son being gay? And it's like, well, I want to, I don't, I just don't want him to have any pain. And it's like, well, everyone has pain. And then he says, I don't want him to have extra gay pain, which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, that seemed like a that seemed like a line that parents would say in like 2006 or whatever. Like it yeah. felt like very on point. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So this movie, I mean, I guess uh, this movie took it with more nuance than things around this time probably would have. Yeah. Um, I also liked how Jennifer Aniston was like so obsessed with like face cream. Like yeah. she kept constantly like it was like a funny thing where like she would like go to like the department stores and constantly ask for like free samples. And then like at one point, um, is it Catherine Keener who gets the phone call? It was like, hey, you recommended like or maybe uh, get, you recommended like my uh, like uh, a maid and I just want to make sure I know you know her pretty well because like I'm missing like face cream from my <laughs> top drawer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was funny. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a fun like you know it's one of those movies that just like you throw on you're just like yeah this is yeah, fun. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to also mention is in the beginning where it's like they're like having dinner and they're like having like just like sort of like meaningless conversation and it's just like oh well do you know where your son is and it's like plopped in front of Dragon Ball Z right where I left it and then the like I don't get SpongeBob thing I thought that was just like a very funny like piece of like extremely 2006 ass dialogue yeah would still work today in like because it's just Spongebob is such a thing but I, I was like oh this is this is some good like dialogue here do kids still watch Spongebob I think so I feel like Dragon Ball Z and Spongebob are two like just things that are like still just on do kids watch Dragon Ball Z though I feel like nowadays all kids are into like Attack on Titan or something if yeah I don't know anime has never been more relevant but also any of the anime that I know is definitely not things people are watching most likely yeah Um, and then oh, speaking of that scene at the beginning when they're like um like filming the at the restaurant um so like i to be apparently says it like the film crew damaged like the restaurant and left a bunch of marks on all the walls <laughs> uh, which makes me think that like someone like on a, someone who like uh maybe like the owner of the restaurant like on the IMDb was like so mad at like the film crew for doing that that they just wrote that as one of the trivia facts. <laughs> <laughs> I just love like imagining like someone who's really upset about like a scene that was filmed in somewhere where they damaged something, just writing that as part of the IMDb trivia. Yeah. It's like it's like a Google IMDb trivia is basically Google reviews for the filming of a movie. Yeah. So like oh, yeah. how a scene was filmed. Like you could be like, like, you know, for like a Chicago thing, you could be like, they blocked off three streets and made me late for work on Tuesday, August 8th, because they filmed they're seen here yeah and then it'd be like it'd be like 27 users found this this 
uh, information <laughs> useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone always finds it useful for some reason on there. No one ever is like, no, it's not. No, sometimes sometimes there'll be like 300 thumbs up and one little thumbs down. And I'm always, I always think about like, like last exit to Springfield where it's like the one guy who's like, it's like, you know, we're voting for a strike. Yay. And everyone says yay. And then there's the one guy who goes, nay. <laughs> Contrarian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I didn't really have anything else to say about this movie, I don't think. No, me neither. I kind of, I kind of like when we watch a movie like this and we just go on side tangents instead of actually talking about the movie. Um, we do that for pretty much every movie anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, do we want to give this movie a rating? Yes. So I was thinking. <laughs> okay, I, I had a thought too. So I'll hear yours first because I'm sure it's better than mine. No, it might not be because mine like it was like two ideas I was trying to decide between for how we would rate this movie, um, which is okay. So like one of them is kind of just like, you know, like how much money like you'd pay to see this movie. Like yeah. maybe um, the other movie, the other thing I was thinking of was um, if you had to kickstart uh, this movie, how much money would you give to your friend Nicole Hollisaner to do the movie? Okay, that's both are better than my idea, which was uh, is this movie with or without money? Like, does it does it have the money? <laughs> does it have the money? Yeah, um, I think we should do uh, how much would you pay an average price of movie ticket? 2006. Okay, I have my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Average price of movie ticket 2006. Okay, I have my answer too. So I would pay uh, $6.55 to go see this movie. Okay, I would pay the average price of a movie ticket from 2005 of $6.41 and then complain about inflation, just like Francis McDermott's character would, and then also buy a thing of pretzel bites. Great answer. Um, Are you watching anything this week? Do you know the show uh, Somebody Somewhere on HBO? No, I haven't even heard of it. So it's this show, it's like about like this, um, it stars Bridget Everett, who's like this comedian, um, it, um, and like she plays like she's playing a character in the show but like it's like a character who goes back to uh, Kansas to basically kind of like uh, deal with like a like her sister dies so she kind of is dealing with like a crisis like what to do in life um, and it's pretty interesting it's like a good like kind of mostly comedy a little dramatic show um, and actually it's like filmed in Chicago oh like it's not I mean like you know because it's a lot of it is at least because they like I guess they wanted to like cast people who were in Chicago pretty much mm-hmm. like you know you can't really film this in Kansas so it's like they wanted to you know use chicago as a location that's like vaguely midwestern-esque sort of thing um but that's pretty good um it also stars uh jeff hiller who is uh in my mind most known as the guy from um he's like a pretty like well-respected like improviser he's also the guy in that episode of community where they replace they like uh destroy the glee club and he's like the guy who in like the very beginning scene when like the the original glee club is performing or not the original one the second uh incarnation but like the glee club is performing the song and like he's the one who stabs himself with a fork when the glee club is uh like sued for uh copyright yeah yeah okay uh he's also on the few other tv shows here and there but he's also like an improviser who's on some podcasts i've listened to in the past yeah um, and they really they really got the like corner for like the kind of like goofier looking character actors for this show like yeah because they also had mike haggerty who recently passed away that was like his this was like his last role i think um he's yeah. like a big, like uh chicago like he's like in like a bunch of like all those like he's like the superintendent in friends uh speaking of friends yeah. um and they have like a bunch of other people in it like um no one like who's I mean, like no one who I really recognize besides those people. Everyone else like kind of vaguely looks Midwestern, which makes yeah. sense in Chicago. But yeah. it's a pretty cool show. Like it's very interesting. There's a lot of like kind of cool like I mean it's not it's not really plot heavy I guess per se, but it's it's very it's very cool. Like I, I just like the vibe of the show. Like it feels very real. Like it doesn't feel like a fate. It doesn't feel like one of those shows where it's just like oh this is just like some dumb HBO indie drama that's trying to build itself as a comedy. Like it's pretty funny and it also like feels pretty realistic. Nice. Um, nice. So I'm enjoying it and. Yeah. I actually might check this out. It sounds like I would enjoy it. Yeah, I think it'd be up your alley probably at least a bit. Um, and I think like, because there's one character who I kind of could see as a um, like Jennifer Aniston type, which um, this might not, it's not a diss toward Jennifer Aniston or to the actress playing Jennifer, uh, the actress playing the character, but uh, Bridget Ever has like a sister who's like vaguely homophobic because like she's from Kansas or whatever. Um, and like, it's like, she kind of, she's like one of those like people who's like a, you know, like a mom who doesn't like her, what her daughter is rebelling against her or whatever. And her, 
her husband kind of doesn't really give a shit about the daughter or not doesn't give a shit but he kind of just like you know whatever about things um and like she um like i feel like jennifer aniston has that kind of vibe down like of like a midwestern mom who doesn't really take care of her i mean you know we saw her not taking care of her kid in um morning show uh yeah. that one. so she very she very much kind of nails the the like i'm a mom who is too busy to care about my children kind of vibe but i also sure. have bad ideals um <laughs> so that seems very up her alley i'd say um and actually one of the other actors i recognized i forget did you ever watch prison break have we talked about this yet uh i've seen some of it but i never watched the whole thing okay one of the guys who plays like one of the conspiracy agents in prison break was is in the show as yes. uh the main character's brother-in-law and i was like i recognize that guy from somewhere but i can't think of where it is and i looked him up he was in prison break and i was like oh loved his character yeah um but yeah that's what i've been watching what about you, you uh, so i actually finally took one of your recommendations and started watching severance last night okay uh, it's fucking rules it's very good yeah um and you know i won't rehash you know go listen to whatever episode daniel talks about it um i don't remember who what character you said could be played by a friend but i kind of think like jennifer aniston would work as like one of the non-severed bosses you know like i think she could do the kind of like creepiness the way they act and so i've only seen the first two episodes mm-hmm. um though after i watched the two episodes so it's, I did read an entire season plot description uh, before going to bed because I'm like, I want to know what happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I could see her in that. I could also kind of see her as like the Brit lower character, maybe if they wanted to like play it a little older. Um, but yeah, it's a very good show. Yeah, I was a lot. I'm trying to remember who it was I threw in the show. I think I might have thrown one of the guys into uh, Adam Scott's role, maybe. That works. That guy can see that. Yeah. Maybe like Matthew Perry or something. Yeah, maybe. Probably. That's my guess. But you know, love severance it's a really good show yeah i'm probably gonna go watch another episode after we get off here you should yeah it's very it's very fun it's it's one of those shows where like i usually kind of like the pilot of shows you kind of like okay like fine and i know everyone always even like shows that have good pilots people are always just like keep watching or whatever and it's like i think i'm pretty hooked by the pilot already and severance one of those shows where i was immediately just like pilot's pretty good i don't know why people need to like be like a keep watching vibe to this show it's um it's a long enough episode where they build out the world but don't expect explain anything too much and so you're like you're like okay i get it i kind of understand what's going on but also like i'm in in a way that i feel like most shows they make the pilot where they don't explain anything at all and so you have to watch the second episode just to be like what the fuck's going on here (laughs) um but yeah they you know they move the story along and like you know brit lower is there and so it sort of is like ooh, what's happening you know yeah it's very very good it's a it's one of the it's probably one of my favorite shows of the year so far i'd say yeah it's very good um yeah all right anything else nope say for me i think yeah Uh, well uh thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next week rachel get on the wagon or i swear to god i'm gonna throw you on it